We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. The Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Neil McCready. Today on the show, Ben Mintz of Barstool Sports joins me. We will talk about the weekend ahead in college football. It's championship week, starting with two games tonight, Conference USA, Pac-12. Uh, play tonight, everything else on the slate for tomorrow. We'll talk about all of those games with Ben, and then we'll also look ahead to the uh, weekend coming up in the National Football League. First, I'll tell you that this is the Oxford Exxon podcast, the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Uh, stop by the Oxford Exxon, fill up your uh, vehicle, fill yourself up, get the ribs. Uh, also, check out the beer cooler, 34 degrees of sudsy goodness. You can go in there and uh, get stocked up for the weekend if you're having some ta- tailgating parties or not tailgate parties, but watch parties or whatever the case may be as you kind of keep up with what's going on in college football. Get ready for Sunday's uh, selection show. We'll find out which bowl game Ole Miss is headed to uh, later this month or first of next month here as we record on December the 1st. So we'll uh, we'll do that. Uh, don't forget the Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West in Oxford. They've been sponsoring the show for more than 10 years now, so please uh, show your appreciation to them. I'm in the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number, ask for Corey Clark. Let Corey uh, know what Ford product you're interested in. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours, right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle, you get your quote. The rest, completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900. Um, guests, including Ben Mintz, join on the Campbell Clinic hotline. The Campbell Clinic is in Oxford now, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102. Just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow, the Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery to spine and total joint care to pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and more. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com. Or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. And all of our coverage here at uh, MPW Digital this entire football season has been brought to you by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea. 
It's your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea, packs a flavorful punch, 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. There's no need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football, your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences with Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. So now we'll go to the Campbell Clinic hotline and uh, my visit with Ben Mintz from earlier this week. Ben Mintz, Barstool Sports, joins here on this uh, extra edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast. Uh, ben, how are you? I'm doing well, Neil. Uh, you know, uh, getting about a month in to the new adventure in Chicago. And I got to tell you, I'm freezing my butt off this week. This is no – for the summer boy, I mean, you know, it's 20 degrees with a negative five wind chill. We're not even in December yet. It could be, it could be a long winter for the team. But if that's my only complaint, we're doing better than most. Yeah, the the wind the wind hits different there when uh, when it's cold off the lake and and uh, it gets it gets really chilly. I've been there a number of times in the winter for like Cubs convention or um, Saints Bears NFC title game. I, I've been up there a bunch of times in the winter and it's it's different. But I do think you sort of adjust to it. I know people say you don't, but I, I think you I think you do kind of figure. You, I think you figure out how to dress in it and when to get out and when to how to maneuver and you'll do fine. You've, you've, you've made it through worse. Yeah, no. And I think it's all just a matter of perspective. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's like an $8 Uber to work for my place every day. It's not like I have to even be outside much. So, uh, but so far I will say this, uh, before getting anything, just quick Chicago update stuff. I mean, everybody that's been following this the last three or four years, it's never been better than right now. Uh, in every way, the new Chicago office is incredible. I. Uh, a lot of our favorite barstool people are here. The work vibe is it's a lot different vibe than New York. New York's just in, in inherently kind of a toxic place. And uh, there's none of that here in this office. Uh, I also, you know, I'm super excited. I know Neil and I sometimes talk about the health stuff on here. I'm running the St. Jude half marathon. I'm driving to Memphis Friday, running the St. Jude half marathon on Saturday, which I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, this is a huge deal to me. I fought this health thing off and on my whole life. Totally. I've been good. working I've been working my ass off of this. And I mean, I'll be honest, the hay's in the barn. I'm not even phased by it. I mean, this is the best shape I've maybe ever been in. And, you know, I'm not sitting here saying I'm going to run a two hour, mar- you know, I'm going to probably run like a 10 minute pace, shooting for like 210 to 215. Uh, but I know I can do it. Uh, the weather looks like mid 50s, which looks reasonable. I'm hoping it doesn't rain, but if it does, whatever. Uh, just excited for that, the St. Jude thing on my journey. Then I'm uh, I'm going to be doing some fundraising. We're going to drop a fundraising link here. Uh, if you want to donate to St. Jude this, uh, for this half, I would appreciate it. Uh, I'm, if you don't, no big deal. I feel like I, uh, you know, between hogs and brick watch and stuff, I feel like I'm asking for money all the time. So I'm not going to like overpressure people on it. Um, but yeah, and then I'm coming to Oxford Saturday. Right after the half, uh, I'm going to the Memphis Ole Miss game at one in the pavilion, and I'm super pumped about that because, you know, look at the effort on ESPN2 against NC State. All of a sudden, we got some momentum with this Ole Miss basketball program, don't we? Yeah, for sure. All right. Have, what is your 
You're going to run it on, on Saturday. What's the longest training run you've done so far? I did 10.7 in New Orleans uh, about five, six weeks ago. Yep. And I, I did it fine. Like, the thing is with me, and everybody's blessed differently. Like, I'm not like a sprinter or nothing, but man, I can run 10 or 11 minute miles till the, forever. I mean, and well, that's, uh, here's going to be my advice to you for 13.1 uh, with all the people, and you're going to get this. You're going to get this adrenaline pump. That's that's. Uh, it's, it's kind of different. I mean, I've, I've run a few, and so especially my first one. I ran my first one in Chicago, uh, back in 2014, I guess, and um, you're you're so juiced when it finally is time to go, and there's all these people around you, and there's all this energy. Because for everybody, right there, for everybody, it's a different accomplishment for whatever, and that you have, you know, and you feel it, you sense it. Is don't worry about your time on this one; it doesn't matter. And so don't don't do that to yourself because that that can kind of get you in some trouble because it'll make you run some middle miles faster than you meant to run them, and then you get mm-hmm. to like you're get to like eight, nine, ten miles, and um, you're a little more spent than you wanted to be or you're not feeling great and you can't kind of enjoy it. Don't don't worry about don't worry about your time. Just run run what's comfortable to you and and then as you get going, you're like if you in your case when you get to like 10 or 11 miles, if you got a lot of juice in you at that point, well now you can speed up and you can try to make up some time. But don't worry about your time early in the run cuz that's how you screw it up. I trust me, I've done it. I did it in California. Uh, okay. I was running a marathon and I felt really good looking back it was because i had an injury and i was all juiced up on steroids for it but um but i ran the first six miles way too fast way too fast i was cruising man and then i paid for it and the middle miles and by the end of that run i just felt terrible so and then i did the opposite in one in minnesota i I took my time even though i felt great i I just ran my pace and about 22 miles, I was like, shit, I'm good. And I I picked it up and just started passing people and finished it really strong and felt good about it. So that's that. everybody's different, but that's my advice to you. Okay, well, I think that my strategy going in, like I'm going to kind of treat the first three or four miles as just like a warm-up, you know? And that's kind of the way you mentally break it up. Like the first three or four is just kind of warm up. And then I usually catch runners high two or three miles in. Uh, I'm going to let it rip the last mile, I'm sure. But as you said, it's not about the time. I mean, I'm 40 years old, about to run a half marathon. You know, and right when COVID hit, before Barstool and all that, I mean, I was almost 300 pounds three and a half years ago. And so this thing could be 230, 215, whatever. I'm a winner out here doing this. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Uh, the, accomplishment, just- the accomplishment's doing it. It's, it's finishing it. It's doing it. It's, it's showing up. It's the hardest. It's, it's, um, I'm super jealous that you're able to run right now. I, I really can't run right now with my knee, but. Uh, it's it's a hell of an accomplishment. I wish that looking back on it when I did it, I wish I had allowed myself that because it, it was it was definitely an accomplishment. It's it's not like it's some this athletic feat. The truth is about marathons is it's a mental feat. It's a um because all that all that training, there's nobody there on the training. The, the marathon's fun. The half marathon's fun. There's people everywhere. You yeah. have people around. People are cheering for you when you're doing the ten mile training run. There's nobody cheering for you. It's just you. You're just yeah, no, I, I, it just I found out so much about my character through this. I listened to I've been listening to a lot of Joe Rogan and David Goggins stuff 
uh, during all that. It's just helped my outlook to like callous your mind. And, you know, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to know I went through a lot of stuff this year that was very public and, uh, you know, listening to a lot of that. And I've just channeled it all through this health stuff the last six months. And it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, I always say this all the time. Every time something bad happens to me, it ends up being a blessing. It's just all how you look at it. And, uh, yeah, I'm just super excited. And, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm going to cry, I'm sure, when I go run through the, you run through the campus and all the kids that are being treated for cancer out there cheering you on. And this is going to be a real, like, emotional uh, deal and uh, in the best way. And uh, I can't yeah. wait. And looking forward to getting to Oxford, too. It's going to be, a, you know, a great, great weekend. And you're right about basketball. Chris Beard has changed uh, in short order. Look, people are – I think I think this is it's funny. I think it kind of ties into running marathons and half marathons. It is it's not not most people get it. There are a few people that are out there that are going, "Hey, how far in the tournament can this team go?" And I'm like, "Nah, it's not this this season's not really about results. This is about process and about um starting a build. And who knows? Maybe they maybe they get catch fire and become Cinderella and make the tournament and whatever whatever, but you can I was at the NC State game. The bigger story to me than beating NC State by 20 was what the arena was starting to feel like. That arena hasn't felt like that in a long time. I mean, it's been since probably Kermit Davis's first season, a handful of games where that arena kind of had a buzz to it. It's been sort of dead the last few years. And it had the beginning of some buzz on Tuesday night against NC State. To me, that was a much bigger story than Jamin Brakefield going for 25 and, and then putting some things together offensively. Because, look, they, it, we'll, we'll see what kind of team they are over time. We'll, we'll learn a lot on, on Saturday against Memphis. But even if they lose by 20 to Memphis, for example, I'm not going to go, oh, well, that's that. You know, it, it, there's, a, there's a build that's happening. There's a, there's a buzz around them. It's palpable. And the guy's just really, really good, Chris Beard. He's really good at, at really every aspect of that job. And and you can you can see it. The 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 improvement from game one to game six and just the change in the atmosphere in the building from game one to game six was really apparent. Yeah, I think the thing too, when you analyze the fan thing with Ole Miss basketball. Shout out to the UM Club Red. I think the student section is the heartbeat of this. Because when you've got these Tuesday night, Wednesday night games, even in SEC, you know, it's all on the students because Oxford's not that big and your your people, your alumni from Jackson and Memphis and, you know, people that come up on weekends for football games can't get here on Tuesday and Wednesday nights for a two-hour basketball game in the middle of the work week. So it's literally all about the students and everyone locally just going all in for these weeknight games. And, you know, shout out to the student section. I thought they were great last night. And kind of talking a little bit more about what you were saying to Chris Beard. Look, it, getting uh, – Chase it? How do you say it? Musa Cisse. Cisse. Okay, my bad. I hate mispronouncing names. I feel bad. But getting Musa Cisse was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year eligible. You know, the rim protection last night, nine block shots – uh, you know, this team's going to play defense. They got great coaching. They're going to play hard. It's just going to come down to Ken Brakefield, who had a great game last night with 25, and Morrell and Murray, and, you know, obviously Alan Flanagan. They're going to have to score. It's all about can they score enough? Because I think the defense and the, all that's going to be there and the effort's going to be there. It's just, is there enough firepower? Uh, but regardless, it's exciting. And, you know, 6-0, and oh, I know they won a lot of close games early, but that was a good win winning on the road by one at Temple. You know, that's like a culture thing, pulling out those close games. 
and, you know, blowing out NC State. I'm super excited. Chris Beard and I have a great relationship. We text all the time. He's He's been hammering me about when am I going to get in there for a game. So we're going to do it Saturday at 1. And, you know, it, also shout out uh, anybody that hadn't joined the Grove Collective stuff. Not just is it helping Lane, it's helping Chris Beard get these transfers. And, you know, I think the more people continue to support the NIL, the better it's going to be for this basketball program. All right, so championship weekend is here. Uh, a couple of games on Friday. New Mexico State's 10.5-point dog at Liberty. And then, of course, the Pac-12 championship that has major playoff ramifications. Oregon, a 9.5-point favorite at this point uh, against Washington there in Las Vegas. Any thoughts on either of those? Yeah, I got some thoughts. Uh, I know Liberty's a, a 12 and 0 or whatever, but man, the way New Mexico State's playing, I got to take the 10 and a half. I mean, you know, they go on the road, they win at Auburn, they beat a good Jacksonville State team at home 20 to 17 last week. And you got to talk, you know, it's one of those things, man, where people don't care enough about the G5, and I get all that. But how the hell do you win at New Mexico State? You know, that's a harder job than you, Oman Road, because at least in Louisiana, you got talent. I mean, what do you, you got nothing in where is it, Las Cruces or whatever. Yeah. And Jerry Till, who's the former Northern Illinois coach, he did a great job there. Uh, and then he got in the health problems in Minnesota. I mean, unsung coaching job of a lifetime here. And they, he, they won at Liberty as a 24-point underdog into the year last year. So, I, you know, that was when Freeze was on the way out. That win at Auburn, uh, I just think they're hot. And so give me a double-digit underdog there. I'm not sure they win, but I just can't see them getting blown out with the momentum they've got going in. So I'm going to take them in the points in that first game. Uh, in the Oregon-Washington game, a lot to talk about just with this point spread. Because, you know, we, we one of the things we talk about when we analyze the gambling on here is, like, I always get weirded out when Vegas comes out with a line that's, like, three points higher than I think it'll be. And I thought Oregon would be, like, six or six and a half here. Like, I thought they'd be favored because I get their power rankings better and all that. But Washington's kind of one of those teams – Vegas has had a low power ranking on them all year. I mean, they were catching points at Oregon State a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I maybe I'm wrong here and buying into the sucker thing, but, I mean, I'm leaning to taking the nine and a half here. I think this is going to be a close game. Oregon might win, but that's a lot of points. And I also have an opinion on the total. The over-under at 65 and a half, I think it's too high. And I know everybody thinks Pac-12, you think shootouts, and the first game was like 38-34 whatever. But Washington's evolved as a football team as this year has gone on. At the beginning of the year, they were just chunking it deep, Penix lighting up. They're running the ball a lot more, and they're a lot more balanced now, and their defense is playing better. And I think in a conference title game, when both teams are seeing each other for the second time and the pressure's on, I don't think this is quite as likely to be a shootout as people think. And so I'm going under 65 and a half here. Uh, I think it's a game that's like, you know, 31 28 or 27 24, something like that. Uh, but I'm going to take Washington plus nine and a half and the under in this one. Interesting. It's a lot of good points. I hadn't thought about that. That, that made, made me think on both of those games. All right. Big 12 game. Uh, Texas. <laughs> Why Texas is not getting more talk about a, a playoff spot in the, in the four is beyond me, but it, it looks like they're stuck. Texas a 15-and-a-half-point favorite over Oklahoma State there in Arlington Saturday morning. Texas is going to kill this team. And uh, Oklahoma State, you got to give Mike Gundy. I mean, this is the same team in week two or three that lost 33-7 at home to South Alabama. And people were like, what the hell is going on with this football program? And to come back from that and win Oklahoma and win Mike Gundy and the coaching job this year. But having said that, they're still not that good. I mean, you saw them get wiped out at UCF. They had to come back from a huge deficit at home against BYU. And when you look at the matchup of this game, you know, obviously Sark has done great things at Texas, but the thing he's really done 
because they've been soft as hell for years, the line of scrimmage. And I always thought it was because of seven-on-seven flag football culture or seven-on-seven culture. I don't know what it is. But Sark's finally got some elite offensive linemen in there. They're sophomores. And then their front seven on defense is elite against the run. So if you're going to beat Texas, you got to do it in the air. Well, Oklahoma State this year, they got the great ground game with that running back. I think Texas matches up with that. I think they got them outclassed all over the field. And I think they beat the crap out of them. Yeah, and they're going to try to win it up for the playoff thing. And they're pissed off. Because they, they feel like they're disrespected. And I don't yeah, really and they blame should, them. They kind of should be a little mad, though. Yeah. I mean, just the Ohio, I don't know. I, my thing with this playoff ranking, the Big Ten's getting way too much credit this year. Like, Ohio State's still six, Michigan's two. What, and they ain't played nobody. Ohio State did. Give them credit. They won that Notre Dame game non-conference. I'll give them credit for that. But those Big Ten teams, I mean, you're basically playing Penn State and then Ohio State and Michigan play each other. It's almost like a two-game conference schedule. You know, you don't have any week-to-week tough games when you're playing Maryland and Indiana. And I don't know. It's just it's just such a joke that they're getting this much credit when they've played such weak. You know, the thing about getting through the SEC, you know, you're getting through Auburn and A&M. And, like, every week you're getting tested. And the Big Ten, it's like they're playing, you know, non-conference G5 games except for, like, two or three games a year. And so, I, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of a shame. I think it's weird. All right, a couple of uh, lower-profile games. Just get your thoughts if you have any. Miami and Toledo. I got, I got absolutely nothing on the Mac. Okay. The Mac's my one. The only thing I know about the Mac is I like the Ohio quarterback, and that, that's my Mac analysis. So uh, Toledo's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. Boise State and UNLV in the Mountain West Championship game in Las Vegas. Barry Odom's done a great job with the running Rebels. They are a two-and-a-half-point home dog at Allegiant Saturday afternoon. I like you. Okay, this is one of those things that's interesting because is UNLV ready to win this conference championship in year one under Odom? And I forgot their offensive coordinator's name, but he's done an awesome job too. But it's kind of one of those things. Are they ready to win this? But I still think I like them because Boise this year, and you got to give them credit, they're in the Mountain West title game. But, man, they've really morphed into that team that's, like, really good at home on the blue turf and then they're weak on the road. And that's just kind of what they are now. And so I think UNLV, I mean, the, how many bandwagon fans are coming out the woodwork to support UNLV in this game too? I bet all of Vegas is going to, you know, like no one went to games. I bet everybody's going to show up for this one. Uh, and so I'm going to take UNLV as a two-and-a-half-point home dog here. Uh, I don't love it. Like I said, it's just such – the only thing is Boise is used to being in the spot. UNLV might be a little nervous. But the fact they're at home getting two and a half, and I think, you know, Boise – I mean, they're, they're seven and five. They're not like some super elite team. they got a good running game, but their passing game is a little weak. So, I'm going to go UNLV here smaller. Georgia and Alabama, the SEC title game, the two programs that have been at the top of the league for years now. They're back again. Georgia, five and a half point favorite over Alabama there in Atlanta. This one, all right. A lot of obviously, we got a ton of stuff to get into here. Uh, I don't get. I think one of the biggest things analyzing this, the sum we talk about on here all the time, is not overreacting on the week to week thing. And those Bama games at Auburn are always like that, always. And so everybody, I think this line went from Georgia by four and a half to five and a half or six off Bama, you know, scoring on the fourth and goal in the thirty-one. But I don't think you slight Bama for that effort as much as other people are. Like, I just think that's one of those rivalry games on the road that no matter what, it's going to be tough, and it is what it is. I think the key to this Georgia-Bama game is we got a couple of super key things to watch. Bama, it's all on Jalen Melrose mobility because this game, being indoors on a fast track, his legs can be the great equalizer that keeps Alabama in this football game, that mobility. 
Uh, I think that's something you got to count for. And then on the other side of it, Bama's pass rush is super elite. You know, we all saw what happens when Carson Beck gets a lot of time in the pocket in that old Miss game. You know, can Bama get a lot of heat on him? My instincts like Bama, the points here. Um, I'm not saying – I don't know if they'll win, but I just think Bama's going to fight. I think Milrow can make, make enough plays to keep them in it. And I think this is going to be another one of classic games in this, this rivalry. And uh, I, I think people are kind of – I don't know. I just my, – my instincts – like I said, my instincts like Bama and the points here. I don't, I'm not saying I love it, but, uh, you know, Bama was a six-and-a-half-point underdog in this SEC championship game two years ago when they won 41-24 with Bryce Young. Uh, I think you don't catch a spot where you catch Saban as an underdog much. And I also, like I said, the overvaluing of the Auburn thing. I think Bama's going to fight is what I think. What do you think? I want to hear what you think on this one. I don't know. I have no consistent read on this game. I think Georgia's the better team. I, I do too. I don't think Georgia has been super tested. Uh, I don't think that's completely fair to say to them about them, but it's kind of my gut feeling about them a little bit. Uh Milrow has has evolved into a very good quarterback. Beginning of the season, he was a liability. Middle of the season, he was just this guy that they don't lose. And now he's become a, a, a weapon for them. They have they have weapons at receiver. I like McClellan at running back. I think he's had a really good year. And defensively, it's the best defense probably that that Georgia will have seen so far this season. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, the pass rush there. And then when they win that crazy game the other day at Auburn, the fourth and 31, and it happens, you, and I get mad at myself because I always tell myself that that stuff's not real. Stop. Don't buy it. You start going, was that destiny? Was that, was that, that weird stuff that happens sometimes that you're like, well, what was that? Like, well, how'd that happen? You know? And, um, that's kind of stuck with me a little bit. Like on my, I, I do these, five picks with with um Siski and I don't think this is going to be one of my five games I think I'm going to leave it alone I just think it's also too when you're analyzing gambling sometimes you just keep it simple and you're like man I don't know what's going to happen in this game so give me the freaking six points you know yeah, yeah. I like win it out take the take the points uh I think that's also a factor and then another thing this is like a deep dive on it a lot of times these championship games, like, look for a slower start in the first half, and I think this thing could get kind of wild in the second half when the pass rushes slow down and they get tired of chasing Milrow. So the over-under is 53-and-a-half. Like, I would slightly lean over, but what I'm looking more for here specifically is if it's 10-7, somebody at half, then I'm banging the second half over at halftime because yeah. I think it'll – because I think, like, the defenses, it'll start slower and then pick up, and I think you just kind of see that in college football a lot. But, uh, Neil, while we're at it, last thing – Boy, you know the committee wants Georgia to win because Bama wins this oh, game. This playoff oh. situation is, I mean. It I, gets nutty. It gets nutty. Like, I don't know how. I've been saying this all week. If Bama wins and Texas wins, I don't know how Texas gets left out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. My thing on that, and I got a lot of heat with people on Twitter on it, and I get that head-to-head absolutely has to matter, but, man, that's week two. Step back in September, you know. I mean, I know that it has to matter, but, I mean, Milrow wasn't even, like, he was barely the starter at that point. And, you know, you look at the way Bama's closed, and if they beat Georgia, I just think the win over Georgia with them having not lost a regular season game in two full years – I just think beating Georgia is the biggest win by any team all year. And I get so, it. I get it. I just, boy, the head-to-head things. When they were saying, okay, so the games in September don't matter as much as the ones in November. It's like well, I don't think they do, but maybe that's just me. Then I, was, I mean, you, I, that's just my thoughts. Here's uh, my deal. Then, then be transparent and say it out loud. I mean, I mean, yeah. say, tell, tell, say the truth out loud. Say, hey, the early part of your schedule, we have a forgiveness that's built in. Well, I mean, you've seen teams lose one or two and come back from losing in September to make – playoffs and championship and you don't see them lose in November usually. I mean the Ohio State did last year. But, but you but usually, what I'm saying they but they, they do this deal where they're like, well we don't do that. Everything is resume. Is it really? Because it doesn't look like it's resume. No, and they openly say like, it's like, like they let's judge be real. Let's be real. Ole Miss is being punished. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. But we can talk where they they talk around it. They're being punished because Georgia beat them by five scores and if you watch the game it looked like Georgia could have beaten them by eight scores. I mean, you 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 watch that, and that's why Ole Miss is is not in the Access Bowl as of this moment. Yeah, Missouri, and the fact that Missouri lost by nine to them. The that's week that's all it is. No, everybody's just eye testing it. And they they should say no. We we did the eye test instead of going well. I, we ran these numbers. No, you eye yeah, test. Yeah, but Ole Miss beat LSU. Missouri lost to LSU. Yeah, you know? and so you know, and 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 then they do the injury thing, and you know what a team looks like now, and. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just all it makes me happy is that there's a 12 teamer next year. And I saw yes. Ross Dillinger posted last night Ole Miss would be the 11 seed, yeah, you know, going to Ohio State. I mean, think about how different our conversation would be right now if we were totally, talking about this. totally yeah. different. All right, uh, we've got a for Ole Miss purposes, this is a big game. If you're holding out hope for a cotton bowl, you really need Tulane to beat SMU. It's in New Orleans, Tulane's giving three and a half. It would be a 
stand up as Tulane in the event that they do this thing at the end where they go, okay, we have all the resumes, let's look at them. A win over Tulane in New Orleans is big, especially if Tulane's the group of five rep. Yeah, and this is an interesting one. So this line just went down from five and a half to three and a half. Uh, we're a few days out. SMU's quarterback, Stone, who's been really good. I'm not sure what his injury status is right now. And so if he's out, I really like Tulane. But the fact that the line just went down two points makes me think he may be playing. Uh, thing with Tulane, though, we saw it in that Ole Miss game. They got an SEC-level defense. Man, they are tough up front. Ole Miss couldn't run the ball on them. They ran for 85 yards in that game. And, you know, as high-powered as SMU's offense has been this year, my instincts like Tulane. They're 23-3 and in their last 26. Uh, they're at home here. And if that SMU quarterback, Stone, who was a big five-star recruit, who's played really well this year for Rhett Lashley, if he's banged up at all, like he's the reason SMU has a shot. I just think Tulane's a tougher, more physical football team. And I think they're going to get this done in NOLA. App State's at Troy. Uh, John Summerall's done just a ph- phenomenal job at Troy. Troy giving six at home for the Sun Belt Championship. I saw a real quick comment on John Summerall. Uh, if Stoops had taken A&M, he was getting Kentucky. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, this one's weird. So App State's eight and four, but they got a lot of momentum. You know, they came in, they wanted James Madison. And you look at App State historically, they're one of those teams that, man, they're always a tough underdog, always. But sometimes when they're favored, they'll lose. But they're one of those teams, like, when you give them points, they fight. So my instincts are they fight here. But I don't have a strong enough read to take them because, like you said, I mean, Troy's just such a good defense. And Summerall's done such a good job. I mean, he's trying to win back-to-back conference championships here. Uh, and, they're, and they're at home. So I'm giving you the long-winded answer of not knowing. 52-and-a-half might seem high for a Troy game, though, with how good Troy's defense is. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't hate the under uh, 52-and-a-half. Uh, I also think conference championship games, like – I mean, I'm not saying they always go under, but when the stakes are this high and stuff, I feel like it's not like auto shootouts like it is week to week in the season sometimes. The game that everyone's watching, I think it's the game that has the most sort of interest for how this could shape the Final Four, uh, ACC title game in Charlotte. It's Louisville, Florida State. Florida State's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, the, the Knowles looked very – as the kids say, mid against uh, Florida the other day. Louisville gets beat by Kentucky at home. It's a weird spot, kind of for both teams. It is. I like the under a lot in this game. Uh, you know, I saw the way Florida State's back of quarterback look last week. He was 12 for 25. They had to rely on the running game in the second half and their defense. Uh, Louisville's had, you know, I know Louisville's defense didn't play that well against Kentucky, but it has played pretty well this year. Uh, I, I just, I think their defense will keep them in it. But I think Florida State, you know, I know everybody's just bagging on them, and I get it, but their defense is good too. And I just think this is kind of a game that's going to be like 21-17 somebody. You know, I don't, I just don't see how this breaks out into a shootout. And I think Florida State's going to try to protect their backup quarterback, you know, not have him throwing tons. They're going to run the ball, try to rely on their defense. And so I, I'm, I don't have an opinion on the Florida State 2.5. I kind of think they gut it out, but the under 47.5 is where I'm looking here, and uh, it's going to be one of my bigger plays of the week. I hope Florida State wins, though. Because I do want to say this about them with the playoff thing. Look, I get they're probably not one of the best four teams, but you can't punish them. Because it's one thing if you go undefeated in the ACC. But they scheduled LSU and Florida non-conference. I mean, they tried. You know, Michigan didn't play nobody. You know, and You're right. you, you know, for You're them right. to play – they play – you know, they always play Florida because it's their rival. But for them to schedule LSU week one and Florida and the ACC, if you get through that undefeated, I just don't know how you can screw them. But – 
We'll see because when it comes down to it and the committee gets down to it, Georgia-Texas or Georgia-Ohio State is going to be a lot sexier of a matchup in New Orleans and Georgia against Florida State's backup quarterback for money and all that. So it's going to yeah. be tough. No, you're right. You're right. It's a, it's a, it's a really weird deal because if Travis were healthy, we wouldn't be talking about it. But he's not, and they don't look the same. And this is where the committee's failure to just be transparent hurts them. Uh, all right. I, Big Ten. Like I said, I just, the last thing I come back yeah. to it, it's just you can't punish them when they schedule that LSU week one in Florida because they I, tried. I, you know, they didn't do the cream puff thing, and I think that has got to be the final when you get down to it. Be like, yeah. look, they, you know. Yep. Michigan and Ohio State, the Big Ten title game in Indianapolis. Uh, I'm not Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa. Uh, Iowa getting 22 versus the uh, the Wolverines. The funniest part on this, Neil, so I don't you know if you saw this, uh, did you see Iowa's over-under for points in the first half in this game? 0.5. Yeah, pretty funny. Uh, Iowa's got no chance in this football game. Uh, the one thing about the Big Ten title game analysis that I've been nailing for years is this game being in Indianapolis in a dome, it always screws Iowa or Wisconsin or whoever comes out of that West because when you put this game in 72 degrees on a fast track, Ohio State or Michigan always has such an athleticism advantage. But when the game's like outdoor and 30-degree weather, you know, maybe Iowa or Wisconsin can muck it up and fight, but they, they can't match up with the athletes indoors. So they just can't. Uh, even at 22 or 23, I, I still lean Michigan here. I think they win like 34-3. to I just don't see how this is a, a, a game. Iowa is going to have to block a punt, create some turnovers, all that kind of stuff. But I just, I just can't see it. And Michigan plays with such an edge. And it's going to be a party for Michigan in this game, getting Harbaugh back, getting through yeah. the last three. Like this is kind of feels like a celebration of life game for them. I think I, I tend to agree that might be the game that I like the most on the whole board. Yeah, I wonder what the Michigan first half wins. line. If you can get. That for, I hadn't seen the lines yet, but if Michigan, if you can get it under 14 first half, if you can get it 13 and a half or less, I'll be looking at first half here too. All right, let's dive into the NFL. I got a, a week in the NFL. I went four and one in the NFL last week. Good, because my picks I gave you were just 0 and 3. So I'm, that makes me happy. Uh, I won money for the 11th Sunday out of 12, though. Good for you. I'll say this my, my over unders have been stone cold. I mean, that's really where I've been getting it. Uh, it's more of the over unders than the actual games, but. You know, I've never look. I mean, I've been betting on football like twenty four years now. I've never won money eleven out of twelve Sundays. So I'm. I mean, this is this is pretty pretty sweet. So the Thursday game in the event that airs on Thursday, the, the Seahawks a uh, nine point dog at Dallas. We won't spend a lot of time here because we, this probably doesn't air till Friday. And by the time people hear it, the games in the in the history books. Any any big thoughts on it though? <sighs> My thing, Seattle does fight hard usually as an underdog, but I don't think Geno is that healthy with this elbow deal. And he looked really bad against the Niners last week. And Dallas has just been killing people at home. Uh, also, the 47-and-a-half total, all these Dallas home games have gone over all year. It's kind of weird, but, like, the games get a little higher scoring in Dallas than you think. Um, so, I mean, I even wet nine, I lean Dallas just because of uh, Geno not looking, looking all that good. All right, the Sunday games, the Dolphins go to Washington. The Dolphins uh, covered a big line last week. It's nine-and-a-half on the road this week. Dolphins favored by nine-and-a-half. Yeah, this is tough because I just – the way I like to gamble, I don't like laying nine or ten on the road. Uh, the Commanders did make a great move finally firing Jack Del Rio and their secondary coach, though, and that's been needing to happen for a long time. Uh, they're – you know, you look at that. I know Chase Young's gone and Montez Sweat's gone, but you look at the amount of capital they put in that front seven and all the first-round picks. For them to be as bad, one of the worst teams in the NFL on defense, with all the, you know, how much of the resources they pour into that, it's like un inexcusable. 
Uh, having said all that, I don't really have too strong of an opinion. If the weather's the weather's okay, I might go over 49 and a half, but it's too early to tell them that. Weird game in New Orleans, man. Weird game. The uh, Lions go to the New Orleans. Uh, the Lions were awful on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, the Saints were not particularly better later in the week. It's the Lions as a four-point road favorite in New Orleans. Man, so the Lions look like a rat line to me here. Um, you know, all the Saints fans, including myself, obviously extremely upset after that. You know, you come out of a bye against your rival and you get five field goals like – that, that effort at Atlanta, especially with all the hatred and the Saints-Falcons rivalry, I mean, the Saints fan base is down this week, as I've seen in a long time. But I almost feel like it makes the Lions too public. And the Lions, I mean, you kind of said it. Look, I mean, they might be 8-3, and three, but their defense is sucking. Golf has turned the ball over. He's regressing. They've won a ton of close games. I mean, they're really kind of like a five- or six-win team that's run hot. So, I – I don't know how – I mean, it's hard to like the Saints, but I'm Saints or nothing uh, in this one. Uh, the Saints receiving core is extremely banged up. Uh, Alave got a concussion. Hopefully he can go because if he's out, the, the offense is going to struggle. But Derek Carr, I mean, I made a joke. His field vision, I think Stevie Wonder might be able to see the field better than he can. I mean, it's just – it's unbelievable. You're, you're talking me into Lions right now, and I, I, yeah. I want to avoid this game so bad, but, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's just this Derek Carr thing. He makes, like, I mean, he he makes one or two throws a game where he just doesn't see people. And you just, like, what's he seeing? And then you see this stat, the most damning stat on the Saints right now. Last 32 drives, they have three total touchdowns. Two of them were Jameis and Taysom Hill scored one. And it's just a really frustrating time for the Saints right now as a fan because there's just no identity you know, there's no identity. You got Cam Jordan and Demario Davis and Badger at the very ends of their primes playing their hearts out on defense. But O line's bad. Carr's clearly not the answer. Dennis Allen's not the answer. Pete Cormichael's not. And it's, you know, it's just a part. It's not good. There's no getting around it. All right. Uh, Chargers and Patriots in New England. The Chargers, just a massive disappointment, but they've been predictable for me. I, I've done well picking Chargers games. They're a six point favorite in Foxborough. There's just no way I can lay six on the road with the Chargers the way they're playing football right now. I know they covered against the Jets, but, God, you can't take – how do you take New England either? How about we'll just take the under? 41.5 seems too high because this could be, you know, this, this could be another ugly one. Arizona's in Pittsburgh. The uh, Cardinals getting five and a half on the road against a Steelers team that's getting better and better uh, week after week, especially on defense. I like Pittsburgh a lot here, and I know they usually don't cover as a favorite – but I think something happened last week in Cincinnati that people aren't seeing. Like, everybody sees that 16-7 final score and just thinks it's the same old Pittsburgh, but they finally fired Matt Canada last week, who was the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL, and he stunk going all the way back to LSU in 17. I, I couldn't believe he was calling plays in the NFL. And last week, while they scored 16 points, you know, on the surface, if you didn't watch the game, you're like, oh, same old Pittsburgh. Well, they had over 400 yards last week. Yeah. They've been getting out. This is the first game last week all year where they outgained their opponent. And so I think the offense is actually improving, and people didn't don't see it because they only scored 16. And so, and I just think, you know, Kyler Murray in a cold weather game at Pittsburgh, I mean, this just isn't what Arizona's designed for. So I, I like Pittsburgh here in this game. Denver at Houston. The uh, Texans really need to get back on the winning track. They give three and a half to Denver. This Sean Payton situation. I mean, they were one in five, five or six weeks ago. They allowed 70 points to Miami. They look like the worst team in the NFL. 
how is he dragged this bunch to five in a row? Because he's and that, he went old he's school. That good, he went, yeah, and also I respect this in this day and age. He got he said he said the hell with this. He's getting the malcontents and Frank Clark and Randy Gregory who've had bad attitudes everywhere they've gone. He's just like don't care. Cut, trade, get the hell out of here. I don't care if you're talented or not. You know, we got to have a winning culture. And he's and look how it's turned out. Uh, to win five in a row, you win at Buffalo Monday night. They beat the Chiefs. I mean, unbelievable coaching job. And obviously, the Saints fan in me, you know, it's, it's a little sad, but he gave us 16 years. Uh, this game, like Houston, I still think Houston's good. I think D'Amico Ryan, you know, I know they lost that tough one last week and the, the field goal went off the crossbar, but I love C.J. Stroud. Uh, be on the lookout for Bobby Slovic, that offensive coordinator who's off the Shanahan tree. I wouldn't be surprised to see him be the next one off the Shanahan tree getting looks for how well he's developed C.J. Stroud uh, to be a coach. But having said that, I just think Denver's fighting so hard, man. I'm thinking I have to get the three and a half here. I just okay. think it's going to be another game. Uh, Falcons coming off the big win over New Orleans. They go to New York to play the Jets. They do it as a two and a half point favorite. I mean, this is just it, the over under is 33 and a half, and I still like the under as long as Ritter's playing. Um, I mean, it's just, I think the Falcons are going to win like 16 to, you know, 16 10, just an ugly, crappy game. I do think they pull it out, but I, I think I'm going to bet under. This Jets thing is just. I say it on this podcast, too, because it's the Ole Miss thing. I think Chad Kelly must be blackballed from the NFL, huh? I mean, we've come to this conclusion. It's pretty obvious because for him to win basically player of the year in Canada and you're telling me he's not better than Tim Boyle and Zach Wilson and some of the stuff the Jets are trying out, he must be blackballed. Like, I just There's no explanation for him to not get a shot for the Jets at this point, if not. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate the under, and I mean, I don't hate Atlanta. I know you're not supposed to take the road dog. No, but the Jets the are dead. No, I get it. Atlanta. That's they're, they're done. And the Falcons are playing for something. Um, they are. I think Arthur Smith, even though his record's not great, I don't think he's a bad coach. I really don't. Uh, a game that only uh, only the if you're watching this one, man, you either love football or you are a diehard fan of one of these teams. The Colts are one point favorite at Tennessee. Colts are six and five in the wild card race somehow. I mean, you got to give uh, Shane Steichen, uh, who was the Eagles offensive coordinator last year. Uh, he's man. I mean, Richardson gets hurt. Dragon Minch, you know, I, you got to give him credit just for how hard they're fighting. Uh, I like the under in this game. Uh, you know, I know you're the big Will Levis guy, but you know, I think things are kind of trending back to reality here with him the last few weeks. Uh, and I think 42 and a half is high. Like Indy does play higher scoring games at home, but on the road, uh, Jonathan Taylor's out, but I think they're going to run the ball with Moss, and this is going to be like a physical close division game. I don't have an opinion on the points. Okay. Like the- uh, another division game, Carolina's at Tampa Bay. The Panthers getting five and a half after the shakeup this week with Frank Reich. So a lot of times you see the interim bump where teams get fired up to play for the interim, like when you look at the Raiders with the McDaniels thing. But I actually don't think that's the case here in Carolina. I don't think Frank Reich was the problem. The problem is the lack of talent and their their management picking Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. And they also traded D.J. Moore and gutted their resources to get him. And so I don't think Carolina turns it around with promoting the interim. And Tampa's four and seven, but I actually don't think they're awful. Like, they're not good. Total must-win game for them. They're only a game back of the Saints and Falcons. They can't lose at home to Carolina. I, I like Tampa a good bit in this football. Okay. Uh, big game, 325 game. It's the Niners and the Eagles in Philly. The uh, Niners getting three on the – giving three on the road against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. This point spread is, I mean, wild. 
Because, you know, you think when Niners are at Eagles, Eagles are 10-1, and one, you know, beat them in the NFC Championship. Granted, obviously, the quarterback thing was a big part of that. But for Vegas to come out and say the Niners are a three. I know. Three, I was reading it. That's why I naturally went Niners getting three at Philly. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought, you know, I thought the Eagles might be like a one or two point favorite at home. Like, I'm not saying that the Niners don't have a strong power ranking. For them to come out at Niners by three, I feel like the Eagles, what's the old saying? You don't want to be on the public home underdog. Uh, I don't know if I can bet the Niners here, but I might. I just think Vegas, this line, something's up. How can the Niners be laying three on the road against a 10-1 team? And this is a blood revenge game for that NFC Championship, too. Um, so, I'm, I don't know if I could pull the trigger, but I lean Niners. And then also, I kind of like under 46 and a half. Yeah. And uh, the reason I like that is – I know the Eagles had a super offensive explosion in the second half, but without Lane Johnson again, uh, I think their O-line might get lit up by this Niners D-line. And The Bills were doing it first half, but then second half, uh, you know, obviously it turned around. So I'm looking at possibly Niners and under here. Uh, got Cleveland at the uh, at the Rams. Cleveland getting three and a half on, on the road against uh, Sean McVay and company. What a weird year Cleveland's had at seven and four. Crazy, crazy year. So the thing about this game, I would I would take Cleveland in the points, but I don't know what's going on with Miles Garrett's shoulder. And he's the NFL Defensive Player of the Year right now. I mean, he's been unbelievable. And if he's out, I just think that's like such a gutting loss for Cleveland because for them to win this game, you know, that D line's got to dominate the Rams O line and make life hell for Stafford. Uh, so. I mean, if Garrett plays, I might look at Cleveland. I like the under if Garrett plays at 39 and a half. I think it's going to be an uglier game. But if Garrett's out, I'm out. The Sunday night game, it's the Chiefs at Green Bay. The Packers coming off that really strong performance in Detroit. Uh, The Packers getting six at home against the Chiefs. I always admit when I'm wrong. I think uh, my Jordan Love, if Jordan Love's playing football, bet the under theory, maybe dead. He's really had great command of this offense the last couple weeks, and he's taken huge steps forward. Uh, the Chiefs finally, finally after they got down 14 nothing to the Raiders, look like themselves the way they bounced back last week. Uh, you know, this is kind of one of those things, though. I mean, I just can't bet on Jordan Love against Patrick Mahomes. I just can't do it. You know, I don't know what to say. I just can't pull the trigger on it. Uh, so – I'm not laying the six on the road either. I mean, I, I'm just giving you a long opinion. I don't have a clue. This game's tough. 42 and a half seems about like the right total. I'm probably going to just sit back and watch it. Great analysis. <laughs> I might take the over, actually. Uh, and then Yeah, I can see that. I think the Chiefs offense did play a little better. The only thing about this Chiefs offense, though, right now, is I know Rasheed Rice, the rookie, starting to look good at receiver. Kelsey is getting bracketed and double teamed, and he's also – you can tell uh, he may have lost a step a little bit with all the injuries he's had. I don't think he's as explosive. So Pacheco is really their only explosive guy they've got right now, and so they're running the ball more and being balanced, and he, he's looked great. I mean, I think keep betting the Pacheco rushing overs uh, is a good is a good way to go. But, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I might look at it. I don't know. That's, like I said, a tough game. And then the last game of the weekend, when that when they scheduled this, they thought this would be a, a really exciting game, and and it's not going to be. Cincinnati without Joe Burrow, uh, getting eight and a half on the road at Jacksonville. The Jags just got through with the big win in Houston. They have uh, kind of taken a stranglehold of the AFC South. They look like a contender at times. Eight and a half's a bunch of points, but man, I'm just not sure that Cincinnati can score with Jake Browning at quarterback. I like Jacksonville here. I think they made this line over a touchdown for a reason to discourage action on Jacksonville. And 
I mean, they're eight and three. They're fighting for the one seed. It's going to be. Think about how fired up this fan base is going to be for a Monday night home game at eight and three. Mm-hmm. You know, after everything they've been through the last few years, and now they're good. Uh, I think this is a spot Jacksonville. If they're what they're supposed to be, this is a spot you should win by a couple touchdowns. And just like you said, the Browning thing. And Cincinnati does have a good defense, but they're like a little better pasty than Rundy. I wouldn't be surprised to see Etienne have a big game here. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I think I agree with that completely. Hey, I know you got a big weekend ahead of you. Got a lot going on. Uh, enjoy the enjoy the run. That's the yeah. The other piece of advice I have for you is uh, soak it in. Enjoy it. Oh, I am, man. Like I said, Neil, like I'm like a little bit too so you know, I think yeah, the older you get, the more sentimental you get about things. And uh, I gotta give a shout out to an old miss buddy of mine that's kind of behind the scenes guy named Tyler Torbett, uh, that's gonna run this with me. And he's actually uh, you know, he quit drinking like six months ahead of me a few years ago, and he's been like a mentor and you know, we've been on this whole journey together. Uh, the, you know, encouraging each other on the alcohol and running. And uh, he's coming all the way from Atlanta, you know, leaving his two kids this weekend to run this half marathon with me. And he's in like, he's training for like an ultra, but he's literally just going to run it with me, clipping me on his phone for Barstool the whole time. And uh, I just got to give him a shout out because I uh, just, you know, very blessed to have a friend like that in my life. And uh, it's going to be very, a very special deal. And also last thing, wake up Mincy next Tuesday, 8, 8 a.m. We're back and we're not going to get canceled this time. <laughs> that's awesome i'm excited no for more rap karaoke i'm sure you that <laughs> hey and next week might be a big week in chicago man i mean i'm hold, holding out hope yeah hope. so yeah they're after otani anybody yeah. else there uh, otani's the big one but uh i think after they'll they'll adjust if they don't get him they'll they'll go uh go with whatever but there's 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 some buzz about otani making a decision next week whether it's dodgers or cubs or giants or whatever so it could be a big week in chicago yeah well, i look forward to like when it's slower for you in the summer and it's hot in the south you know me and you we gotta do a wrigley trip this summer absolutely i'm, I'm always in for a wrigley trip love to do it uh all right appreciate you and uh, as always enjoy your uh, enjoy your weekend good luck with your run and, and we'll see you maybe i'll see you on saturday good. see y'all in the pavilion on saturday if y'll see me say hello i'm really excited that's ben Mitz. until next time take care that was Ben Mintz. Appreciate his time, as always, on the Oxford Exxon podcast. That wraps it up for our week of podcast here uh, on the network. A lot of uh, content for you yesterday. We had a podcast, uh, obviously, uh, The Butcher versus The Dance Instructor. There's The Josh Hendrickson Show, uh, Brian Rippey. There's a whole lot there for you this week. Hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. Ole Miss Memphis basketball, 1 o'clock on Saturday in Oxford. I'll have coverage post game, And... Uh, Bowl announcement Sunday night. Lane Kiffin will speak to media, we're told. So we'll have that for you on uh, Sunday evening as well and then back uh, Monday for another Oxford Exxon podcast. Until then, have a great weekend. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.